preached about in 1 Samuel 14. It's a story about Jonathan and his armor bearer and how they had what was seemingly impossible task of trying to defeat an army of over 6,000 Philistines with 300 men. And not just 300 men uh, that were scared, they were freaked out, they didn't want to engage in the battle. Here's Saul, Jonathan's dad, who was the king of Israel, should have had the faith to rise up his army and trust God, but didn't. And Jonathan got to a point where he said, enough is enough, and I'm going to trust God. And yet, what was interesting to me about that story is that sometimes, how many of you know that there's the battle before the battle? That Jonathan actually had to travel three miles and then climb up a mountain on his hands and knees just to get in the fight. And it really struck me, the perseverance of Jonathan, that everything he went through, not to just get in the fight, but then ultimately to gain the victory and what God did to use him in that victory. How many of you know that when you gain a victory in Christ, it's not just for you? That, that it's for your marriage, it's for your family, it's for generations to come. And I love that God gave Jonathan this amazing victory that spurred on the faith of other people around him. And it says that uh, some of the Israelites that were afraid began to come out and began to fight with them. And I think sometimes all it takes is for one person. God is looking for a person to stand up and believe him and trust him. And sometimes when we do it, it's just enough to spur on the faith of those around us. That's why I try to, if I ever get an opportunity, which I love to do to speak into our, our Hope students, I try to tell them, hey, all it takes is for one of you, I tell this to my kids, is to be willing to stand up in faith and you will get others that will stand with you. But it takes a person to be willing to stand up in faith. And Jonathan was that person. But what really got me about this story was his perseverance to get in the fight. And I think that's a problem for a lot of us. That's where we get stuck in our relationship with God. And that's where we get stuck often spiritually is we actually never make it to the battle. And because of it, we never see the victory that God already has for us. You know that we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. Jesus won the battle on the cross for us. And now we get the recipient. We are the recipients and we have the gift of fighting from a place of victory, but you still have to engage in the fight. And sometimes there's a battle before the battle. And that's kind of what I, uh, I want to talk to you about today. So I want to go back, if it's okay with you, to 1 Samuel chapter 14. There was just some things God would not let me get away from this passage. And so I, I relented and I said, okay, God, have your way. And um, we're going to read back in 1 Samuel chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, if you turn there with me. 1 Samuel 14, verses 4, I think through 8 or something like that. I'm going to read to you out of the New King James Version. You guys good? Working on it. I like that. That's kind of like life, right? You're working on it. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 4, it says this. Between the passes, that's the verse that just, you know how you read something sometimes and it just, the Holy Spirit gives you kind of a Holy Spirit gut punch. 
That was that. That was this verse, verse four. That phrase, between the passes. I just felt like when I read that last week that God was on it and he didn't want me to get off it. And I think a lot of life happens between the passes, right? I, I, I'm afraid of a church culture where we've made Sunday service the thing. But how many of you know the Christian life isn't made on Sundays, it's made between the passes? It's made between Monday and Saturday. <laughs> That's where the Christian life, it's the, it's the grind sometimes, it's the mundane, it's the, it's the Mondays of life, it's the Wednesdays, it's in the middle. It's between the passes that oftentimes that God shows up in the most powerful ways. And if we'll look for him between the passes, I believe that he's gonna show up in the middle of some of your circumstances, in the middle of your problems, and show you his glory, show you his power, give you fresh hope for what you're walking through. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of one was Boaz and the name of the other was Sinna. And the front of one faced northward opposite Michmash and the other southward opposite Gibeah. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word this morning. God, we pray that your word would challenge us, convict us, but really mostly I pray today that, that your word would change us. God, shape us into the men and women of God that you've called us to be. I pray that you would anoint me to preach your word. Let it not be just word, but let it be power to see the things that you long to do in our lives be done today. God, I pray that none of us would leave here the same. And I pray now that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive everything that you have for us in Jesus' mighty name. God, I also, I wanna pray for our nation. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the United States of America. God, I pray that you would uh, interrupt our nation with your presence, with your power. Father, I pray for revival over the United States of America. I ask for your forgiveness for the sin of putting other gods and other things before you. And I pray that you would forgive us of our sin and that you would restore this nation to one nation under God once again. Father, we pray that you would invade Washington, D.C. God, I pray that you would um, invade our lives, God, our churches, our schools, our places of business, our neighborhoods, with your very presence, God, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. The title of my message to you, surprise, surprise, is Between the Passes. Between the Passes. When I, I look back over my life, I started to think about when I really encountered the power and the presence of God Oftentimes, you know, we think we like being on the mountaintop. That's where the victory is. That's where, you know, we, we get to uh, just relish in what God is doing. How many you know the Christian life, most of the Christian life is lived in between the passes. It's not lived on the mountaintop. I think it's, it's easy, you know, when you first get saved, Pastor David, 
Spirit of God is moving in our lives. We're excited. We can't wait to go to church. Every time the doors were open at church, we're there. We're excited. God is doing stuff in our life. We're going to Bible studies. We're growing in the Lord. But inevitably, uh, if you're human, you're going to hit some patches in your life where you get stuck, where you feel like, man, I don't see God moving in my life. I don't, I don't feel his presence like I used to. I just lost that kind of like excitement, that zeal. And it's in those moments and in those places that I believe that God wants to show up in his power and in his presence and move us out of those places. For a lot of us, and maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online, you came to church and good on you. You came showing up trusting that God was going to move in your life. And, and he does. But sometimes we have to actually make ourselves get up in the morning and get to church on time. And, and when we do, we put ourselves in position that God will meet us there in the middle, right? And sometimes it's in the middle of a message where God can just drop a word in your heart and encourage you. It's in the middle of worship that God can touch you in power. And there's sometimes, man, I love it. I love that we could be in the middle of a worship service and all of a sudden the presence of God just comes in and he changes things. He opens our eyes to see things like we didn't see before. But for a lot of us, I believe most of the time when we get stuck, and it's interesting to me that Jonathan, in order to even get to the place of where the battle was, he had to travel a distance of three miles. Three. There, there's something about that number three. Three is an important number in the Bible. When I thought about that, I thought, you know, isn't that interesting, the journey that Jesus had to take to Golgotha, that there was a suffering and a pain that he had to go through, which led to his death and burial, which led to the third day, his resurrection. And I think that's part of the journey. Even when I think about Jonathan, I think about what he went through to get in that battle, the thoughts that went through his head. I wonder if he ever was like about halfway there going between the passes thinking this is too hard. I'm going to give up and throw in the towel. And if he did that, he never would have gotten and made it to the other side where he experienced the breakthrough, experienced the victory. And for a lot of us, we're, we're not seeing the breakthroughs that we're believing for. We read about the promises of God in the Bible. We read about amazing stories like this. And I believe that we want to believe that God can do it in our lives, but we just feel stuck. And too many of us, we want God to change our circumstances, but we don't want God to change us. And so here, I've got something for you this morning that I believe is important. When I think about Jonathan having to go through these passes, it was really two huge mountains. And I looked at a picture of the geography of what Jonathan had to walk through. And it was in this ravine. It was, it was literally in this like rut in between two mountains. And I thought, wow, isn't that wild? For a lot of us, we get stuck in these ruts of life where we never make it to the other side. So I have something I want to share with you this morning, and that is this, that to get out of the rut, we get out of the rut, rather, when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. And sometimes between the passes is where we experience some of the pain of life. And yet 
there's in that place that God wants to meet you and me, but we have to get to the place in order to get out of that rut. Israel was stuck in a rut. They were wandering around for 40 years. There was, there was this amazing deliverance that got them out of slavery, which represents how our spiritual life, when we come to faith in Christ, God just sovereignly, divinely gets us out of our sin and out of that place of being bound by sin and a slave to sin. And it's amazing. And the Israelites were triumphant coming out of their amazing victory. But yet, as soon as they got to the other side and they started encountering some trouble, where are we going to get water? What about food? How are we going to eat? They started murmuring, complaining, and they doubted God. They doubted the very God that just brought them through this amazing miracle that God can meet them in the middle of the desert and provide what he needed to provide. And I feel like that's, that's where a lot of us find ourselves. And maybe you're here today and that's exactly where you find yourself, where you once used to be passionate about the things of God. God was moving in your life, but you feel like you've been stuck. You feel like you haven't grown in, in God in a long time. I, I was reading, this pastor was talking about how he was talking about this guy who had been walking with God for 25 years and the man said something to him that was profound. He said, I have 25 years of being saved, but one year experience of walking with God because he never allowed God to do the things that God wanted to do in between the passes. Uh, how many of you Dr. Seuss fans? I'm a big Dr. Seuss fan. I think Dr. Seuss was borderline theologian and I love some of his, I think they're profound actually. They, they might seem like nonsense a lot of times, but I love some of his books. And one of my favorites that I used to read to my kids when they were little was, Oh, the places that you'll go. And, and I love Dr. Seuss because I think it opens up your imagination to, you know, I think what God can do in your life. That sometimes we just forget all oh, the places you could go. And there's this quote from that book that I want to read to you in starting off. It says, you're off to great places. How many of you know that today? You're off to great places. You're here, you showed up, you're pressing into God, you're off to great places. Today is your day. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, today's your day. Today's your day, your mountain is waiting, so get on your way. Your mountain is waiting, so get on your way. I thought it was so interesting that, um, that in the Bible, in the story, that the two mountains that were in the way of Jonathan getting into the fight were named. Do you know that sometimes identifying your mountain that is in the way is the first step to overcoming the mountain? And I thought that was interesting. But I have a couple things that I want to share with you that I think we could glean from this story that I hope it helps you. For those of you who feel like maybe you're stuck in your relationship with God, you haven't, you haven't been growing in that relationship. The first one is this. You have to know that you are refined between the passes. That God is refining you between the passes. That there's some things that only God can do through pain and suffering. Look at Romans 5.1. Paul understood this. Now, it's interesting to me, when I think about the heroes of the Bible, many of us, we love to celebrate David holding Goliath's head up in victory. 
We love to celebrate uh, the great victories of Moses leading the Israelites out. But what we, what we don't realize is those are the highlight reels, that God was moving and doing something in their lives to prepare them for those victories. And sometimes we never get to the victory because we're not allowing God to prepare us and to grow our faith enough to be able to stand in that moment and trust God that he's moving and he's gonna do something in our life. And Paul, after going through some things, he learned some things about pain and suffering. He said this, Romans 5, 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through what? Faith. I hope this message just strengthens your faith this morning. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received or have gained access by what? By faith into this grace in which we now stand. Do you understand that by faith we gain access, that God has some gifts for you, and one of those gifts is the gift of grace. Grace is not only the gift of salvation, it's the supernatural empowerment of God to not only stand in the moment that which you're in. You know, I was telling people, my wife and I were sitting out on our front porch uh, the other night, and we were kind of watching the sunset, and we, we'd had a day. How many of you know what I'm talking You had a day, like you had one of those days. And... The Holy Spirit just dropped this in, in my spirit. And he said, you know what? Some days winning looks like walking on water and some days winning looks like you got your head above water. Right? Sometimes it's all you can do to stand. Sometimes it's all you can do, like winning is actually getting here this morning. Winning is you don't know how you're gonna pay your bills, but you're trusting that God is gonna come through and he's gonna provide. And I think sometimes we idolize or idealize people of faith in the Bible without really knowing the things that they went through to build their faith. Jonathan just didn't arrive up on the scene full of faith and courage. He had a lifetime of a history with walking through God and going through things and persevering through some things, just like Paul. And Paul's just imparting to us. He says, but we not only glory in our sufferings, I'm like, really, Paul, glory? Your glory in my sufferings? He says, but he understood something that you need to understand, that the reason that he learned to embrace the painful things that we go through in life is that it wants to, God is trying to use those things in our life to produce something in you. He's using them to refine you, to shape you, to mold you into the man and the woman that God made you and created you to be. And there's only some things that where we get refined when you're in the fire. Refining comes from being in the fire. You don't get shaped when things are great. And this is why in our Americanized culture, we, we want to avoid pain. <laughs> we want to live in a place of comfort. And if we're not careful, we could get into this brand of Christianity that says, you know, we just, man, I just love being comfortable. I just love coming to church and hearing a good message, being inspired. But the Christian life is lived in between the passes. The real test of your faith isn't on Sunday when we're jumping down. He can do it again. You know, come on. That's not where the tests come. The tests come when you hit the pavement Monday morning on your way to work when you're dealing with problems with your kids and in your marriage, when the reality of your own sin and weakness and shortcoming hits you. And in those moments, we can glory in what we're going through because we know something. We know that suffering 
God is using the pain that we're going through to produce something in you and me. What does it produce? Come on, Paul. It produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And that hope does not disappoint us. My wife um, earlier said that she felt like God wants to deal with disappointment in some of you. I, I believe that's true. I believe God wants to deal with some disappointment in you because you haven't seen God move in some of the ways that you want him to. But I believe that God is right in the middle of your disappointment. That in the middle of your disappointment, God is allowing you to be disillusioned with the way that you saw the Christian life so that you would seek him for the reality of what it is. And the reality is, is this is this isn't Candyland. <laughs> this isn't like Pleasure Island. This is a battleship. And there's only some things that God can do in your life and in my life when we allow him to do what he wants to do between the passes, between the, the, the rock and the hard place, if you will. I love uh, Sam Shand. He's a, a leadership guru, church and in business. And he says this, and I love this. Growth equals change. Change equals loss. Loss equals pain. So inev inevitably, growth equals pain. I'm going to say that again. Let that sink in. Growth equals change. There's no growth without change. You can't continue to do the same things over and over again and expect God to get you out of those circumstances when you're staying stuck in it. Growth equals change, change equals loss, loss equals pain, so inevitably, growth equals pain. If we're gonna change, it's painful. <laughs> it's not easy, why? Because we get stuck in a rut. We get used to doing life a certain way, we get in routines, we get in habits, and sometimes God wants to break those habits and pull you out of your routine so that he could change you. And the way he does that oftentimes is he'll disrupt your life with, uh, with trials, with pain, with suffering to not only use those. Now, hear me, I don't believe God brings those things into our life. Life just does it for you, right? There's enough in our life, there's enough uh, bad habits and our own sin, and there's enough pain in this world that God just uses anything. You believe in Romans 8, 28, right? That God works all things for good. It doesn't say that God causes all things. He says he works all things for good and he causes all things. He didn't cause the problem, but he causes all things to work for our good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now you're here this morning. I believe there's a part of you at least that loves God and that you feel called according to his purpose. And if you believe that, you have to know that God is refining you in between the passes. That right now you are at a certain place in your spiritual journey and you know that God wants to, there's things that you know that God wants to do in you. There's places that you know he wants you to take. There's things that he's called you to step into. And yet we have trouble getting there because we get stuck in ruts. Come on. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. Come on. She'll be coming around the mountain. How many ever feel like that? And the reason that we feel that way is because that oftentimes God will allow trials and tests in our life. Do you know that tests produce two opportunities? 
Opportunity number one, every test that we go through is an opportunity to know God and to know his power in our life. Number two, every test is an opportunity for God to know us and to test what's inside of me. And our testing of our faith is absolutely critical. God needs to test our faith to see how much we trust him. Do you know that uh, when you're in grade school, in order to get to the next grade, to get promoted, you gotta do what? You gotta pass the test. If you don't pass the test, what happens? You go back and you do the grade over again. For many of us, that's why the same reoccurring problems are happening in our life. Do you ever realize that there's some sin that keeps coming back around? Keeps coming back around. There's some bad habits that keep coming back around, keep coming back around, and it keeps us stuck in our faith until we learn what God wants to teach us and how he wants to refine you through that test and through that trial so you learn to trust him and not yourself. God, had, God gave Abraham a promise, but God had to test Abraham to see even when he gave him what he promised him, he said, Would you, are you willing to put Isaac on the altar? He had to test his heart. Do you care more about the blessings of God and the gift of God than God himself? Am I enough for you? And Abraham would have never have learned God as Jehovah Jireh, my provider, if he wasn't willing to put Isaac on the altar and for God to provide a ram in the thicket in his place. Some of us, this is the problem. We don't have enough faith because we don't have enough history of God of putting things on the altar and letting God work things into us that he's trying to work in so that he can prove himself to us and we can prove our faith to ourselves in God. Thank you, three of you. I'm glad that's speaking to you. What was interesting to me is that you know that when we read scripture, every, every dot, every, I think the King James says tittle or something like that. That's, that sounds a little weird to say as a pastor. But um, what it means is that everything in the Bible has a purpose. Every word, all of it. And what struck me is that he named the mountains that he had to go through, the passes that he had to go through. And so that caught my attention. The Holy Spirit quickened me. So I looked up the name of the two mountains he said that he had to go between. One of them was Bozaz and the other Sinna. Bozaz means shining, glistening. Sinna means thorny. It reminded me of when Paul said, I have this thorn in my flesh. <laughs> That's causing me some pain. It's causing me to stumble. It's messing me up. And I pleaded with the Lord. How many times? Three times three times. There's a pain, there's a death, and there's a resurrection. On the third time, God said, I'm going to answer you, but I'm not going to remove the thorny place. I'm not going to remove the pain from you, but I am going to give you something. I'm going to teach you that my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, my grace is all you need. See, what God was trying to do was trying to remove Paul's self-reliance, reliance upon his own strength, his own wisdom, because this was a man who was learned. He was an uppercomer in the Pharisees. And yet God was continually refining him and stripping away everything he needed to strip away from him so that he could, he could teach him 
that his grace was all he needed. His supernatural power and strength was all he needed. I believe that God brought some of you here today and he wants to remove and he's allowed some thorny places in your life that you have to actually go through them. And in our, the middle of our pain, in the middle of your trial, in the middle of your test, that God wants to give you a message. And he wants to tell you, my grace is sufficient for you that in your weakness, my power is made perfect. See, you'll never understand the supernatural power of God until you're weak. That's why I never understood for years after I got saved, I'm like, God, why didn't you just like take away all my weakness? Why am I still weak? I thought I was supposed to like just be, you know, I had no temptations anymore on top of everything. Like, I think, you know, in our, in our modern day, Americanized church, that's the message sometimes indirectly pastors preach. Like, it's easy to follow Christ. You just accept, you know, accept him as your Lord and Savior and everything in your life is going to be wonderful, right? All your dreams are going to come true. You're going to become this amazing person. He's going to make your life so much better and, and you're not going to have any worries. You'll never have any financial troubles. All your relationships will be beautiful. You'll never get sick, right? You'll never have any challenges in your marriage. And it is not biblical because God is using all those things in your life to produce something in you. And you've got to see, here's the thing. This is why a lot of us are not getting more the character of God. God is trying to produce the character of Christ in you. This is where you're formed. This is on the potter's wheel, man. This is where we are. We are jars of clay. We are fragile and we are broken. And God uses those places in our life to shape us, to mold us. And if we don't allow him, but too many of us, we get uncomfortable in those places. We don't like being in pain. We don't like being uncomfortable. So what we do is we look for the shiny places. When one of those mountains says shiny places, it reminded me of uh, perite. Is that what it's called? Fool's gold? Is that what it's called? Somebody help me out here. Pyrite, pyrite, pirate, pyrite, whatever. I was thinking about how one side of the mountain, it was shiny. It reminded me of fool's gold. How we can, in the middle between the passes sometimes, we can gravitate to uh, escaping and removing ourselves out of the place of testing in the place of trial so that we can get some relief from the pressure and relief from the pain. And too many of us are looking for the shiny places in life. We're looking for the places that the world seems to offer. No, you don't need to stay in pain. Come on, just look at a little porn. Just, just, uh, just go, uh, go get a fifth of vodka. Go shoot up, go gamp, go whatever it is and you can escape the pain. And for too many of us, we're not staying in the place of testing and trial to allow God, we're not persevering in it. You gotta stay in it. Don't remove yourself out of it, stay in it. We should be asking this, God, stop asking God, why are you allowing this in my life? And start asking God, what is it that you wanna do through my life? What do you wanna remove from my life? I was thinking about the armor bearer, I was thinking, the armor bearer is kind of a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who's by your side. I was thinking sometimes, you know, when we go through between the passes, you know how much weight armor was? It was a lot of weight to carry. 
The armor bearer had to know if you're carrying too much stuff with you that you don't need. Too many times I don't think we make it through the passes of life because we've taken on more than God tells us to carry. I, I think he's even saying to some of you, who told you to carry that? I never gave you that to carry. You don't need that, let it go. The Holy Spirit comes alongside and said, let it go. The, the other place, the thorny place is the place of pain and suffering. I also thought about, you got one side, you got the thorns. And the thorns, if you remember in the parable, the seed and the sower is there's good seed that God is trying to plant in your life, but the thorns represented the cares of this world, the pleasures of this world that choke out the good life. And too many of us, we miss out on what God is doing. We don't grow spiritually because in the middle between the passes, God is trying to use our circumstances in our life to grow us, but we're allowing the things of the world because we're too attached to the world. We're allowing those things to choke out the life that God wants to give us. I also thought it was interesting that it was a shiny place, glistening place. You know, they didn't have mirrors back then. And oftentimes they would, they would use like a precious metal as a mirror. And I was thinking how, I wonder if Jonathan, while he was walking between the passes, sometimes would just glance over and see a reflection of his face in the side of the mountain. And I was thinking how sometimes in between the passes where we get stuck is when we start to see ourselves for who we really are. We see our brokenness, we see our wounds, we see our sin, we see our bad habits, and God and the enemy of our soul wants to keep you stuck in between the passes by keeping you focused on your brokenness. But my Bible says, I don't fix my eyes on my weakness. God was trying to get Paul's attention. He's trying to get our attention. He says, stop whining about the thorn in your side and start looking to me as your provision for your source of strength. That in the middle of it, in the middle of it, I show up in power. And my Bible says that we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's not only the, the God who begins our faith, he's not only the God that's gonna finish it someday when I cross over from this life into the next life, but he's the God in between the passes. He's the God that shows up in the middle. Sometimes in our brokenness and in our worst, God shows up in the most power. And I could look back on my life and and see when I was at some of my lowest points, this is where God wants to teach you that in the middle of your trials, you can actually find true joy. And that is foreign to us. We're hooked on happiness. We got hooked on, on the juice of America and the pursuit of happiness, that you gotta have material possessions and you gotta have status. And, and what God is trying to do between the passes to refine you is he's trying to, to show you where your true source of identity and security comes from. Is it in the things of this world or is it in me? Because if it's not in me, I'm gonna use your pain and suffering to try to pull it off you get it off you. You got to get it off you. James says it like this, consider it pure joy, my friends, my brothers and sisters, when you what? You face trials of many kinds. 
You're gonna face one trial? No, trials of many kinds. How many of you are in the middle of something right now? You're going through the middle of something. You're going through a test, you're going through a trial. How many of you know you can find joy in the middle of your trial? Why? Because you have to know something. I hope, if anything, you leave here with a conviction today to know that the testing of your faith is producing something in you. It's producing perseverance. You got to get a holy grit in you that says, I'm going to keep moving forward. I don't know how God is going to work this out, but I'm not stopping. I'm on a journey. I'm going somewhere. God is making me into the man and the woman that he's called me to be. And there's nothing that's going to stop me. No trial, no testing, no fire, because in the middle of the furnace, God showed up for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was in the middle of the fire that God proved his faithfulness. But if you never give him your faith, he can't prove his faithfulness. Sometimes we just need enough faith. You don't need a lot, but you just need a little. You need enough to step in. He said, I trust my God. He's doing something in me. And here's the catch that James is telling us. You got to let perseverance finish its work. By getting up every day. And see, this is where I believe God wants to, especially in our charismatic Pentecostal circles, I think we can get too hooked on feelings. We can start coming to church for the wrong reasons. We can start worshiping God because I get Holy Spirit goosebumps. And because he's filling me with his presence. That is a wonderful thing. We should desire that. I, I pray that all the time. But I don't come to worship God so I could get Holy Spirit goosebumps. I come to worship God because he's God. He reigns above it all. Come on. I worship him for who he is, not what I want him to be. And just because I'm going through the middle of the trial, it was in the middle of the night that Paul and Silas, when they were chained to their circumstances, chained to the problems, they didn't know if they were going to live or they were going to die, but they chose in the middle of the night that I'm going to consider it joy. I'm going to start praising my God. It doesn't matter if I'm on the mountaintop or down in the valley between the passes or on top of it. I am going to praise my God. And in the middle of the night, it says they lifted up their voice and the ground began to shake and their chains fell off. Some of us were too chained to our circumstances. We're too connected to our problems and we whine and complain about them. And if we would just start praising God in the middle of it, we would have breakthrough. God would start moving in your life. He'd start shaking some things off you. Come on, you came in this morning with some stuff on you. And maybe if you would be willing to praise God in the middle of your problem, that God would begin to shake off what's on you. He's refining you. I like this quote, gifts are free, but growth is expensive. It'll cost you something. I'm afraid that we've packaged up this Christianity with no cost. Because it's true, the gift of salvation is a free gift of God. There's nothing that you could do to earn it, you just receive it. It's after that, it's between the passes that it gets expensive. It's between the passes that it will cost you something. David said, I'll never sacrifice or give to God something that doesn't cost me something. When Abraham was taking Isaac up to the mountain, to the altar, Isaac turned to Abraham and says, Father, I see the fire. I see the knife, but where's the sacrifice? I wonder if God is saying, I see the worship. I see the word, but where's the sacrifice? 
It's in the willingness to say, God, do whatever. It's Jesus in the garden saying, man, if there's any way you could get me out of this, I don't want to go through this. I don't, I don't want to go through what I'm going through. Nevertheless, not your will, but not my will, but yours be done. And when you get to a place where you're willing to lay your life on the altar, that's the place where God provides for you and he shows up and he provides a ram in the thicket. Next thing I have for you, and then we'll wrap this up, is our faith is refocused in between the passes. See, one of the greatest things I believe the enemy does is he wanna get your eyes off of Jesus and what God is doing in your life and keep them on your pain. Keep them with a victim mindset. Keep you like just focused on the pain that you're going through and the loss of things in your life so that you lose focus of what you're gaining by the sacrifice. <laughs> I mean, uh, in Philippians, Paul said it like this, but whatever gains to me, in other words, there were things that I, I, I thought where I was gaining in life. Like this is, this is what I, this is my life. This is success. This is what it looks like. I, I've gained some things in life. And, and I, I used to think that those things were the prize. So I focused on them. But he says, I've learned something. He said, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I'm willing to sacrifice those things. Why? Because what is more, I consider everything loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain what? Christ. So that I've lost some things, but what I've gained through losing those things is I've gained Jesus. He says, now at all costs, I want to know Christ. Yes, know the power of his resurrection and what participation in his sufferings. We want the power of the resurrection without the suffering. The two go together. You got to allow God to take you through the fire to produce and refine in you, but you got to refocus. See, the enemy wants to keep you focused on what you lost. This is what he does with young people all the time. Are you going to follow Jesus? Or are you going to have to, you know, lose the music you listen to, lose the fun, lose the parties, ah, good times over. You know, it's like those marriage uh, t-shirts, it's a game over on them. You know, you ever see those? I guess I'm the only one. Um, and he wants you to stay focused on what you're losing. What's, you, what's gonna cost you to follow Christ? I got a question for you. What is it costing you not to? What is it costing your marriage not to be completely sold out to Jesus? What is it costing you as a parent? Because what you are willing to sacrifice in faith today is sowing seeds into the future of tomorrow. And those seeds are not just for you, they're for generations to come. They're for your children and your children's children. I read something the other day that just shook me. It's like, he said, Abraham has still not received his reward because his seed is still multiplying. Think about that for a minute. I remember being a kid in the fourth grade, jacked up kid, living with my grandmother and every day my grandmother, she'd drive me to St. Bartholomew's parochial school and she would start the car and while the car was warming up, she would read me her daily bread, the daily bread. You ever, you ever do that devotional, the daily bread? She'd read me the daily bread. 
And I started thinking, it hit me. My grandmother was sowing seeds of faith into me in the fourth grade that now are producing fruit today. Here's the problem, you don't always see what God is producing through the seeds of faith that you're investing in today. You know you reap what you sow, but the problem is when you sow, you don't see the harvest. Somebody tells somebody, this is gonna take a while. And we don't like to wait. We wanna see immediate fruit. We're used to immediate gratification, instant. Go through Wendy's, give me the burger. I want it, I want it hot, I want it now. And, and this is the way we've gotten accustomed to, we don't wanna wait for anything. And, and when we, we're not willing to wait, we miss out on what God wants us to see. There was a story, and then I'll close, that struck me about this, um, he was a professional chess player. And he was at this tournament in Europe and he had some time to kill, so he went to a local art gallery. And he was walking through the art gallery and he went by this one painting called Checkmate that caught his eye. And in this painting, it was a painting of a, a chessboard. And on one side of the chessboard was this young man and on the other side was the devil. And the young man was sweating. He looked like gripped in terror. And on the other side, Satan just had this smirk on his face, leaning back with his arms folded. And this chess player, it just caught him. And he, he turned to the custodian and he said, hey, do you have a chess board anywhere? And he's like, well, I think um, there were some guys that used to play chess on their, their lunch break. There might be one back in the break room. I can look around. And he went back there and he, sure enough, he comes back out with a chess board. The guy takes the chess board and, and he looks at the painting and he sets up all the different, the different pieces there. The connotation from, from the, the painting was that this man was boxed in. He had no moves left to make. He was done. It was over. It was finished. And he sets up all the chess pieces on the board, just like it is in the, in the, the picture. And he steps back and he looks at the check, chess board and he's like, starts shaking his head and a big smile comes over his face. And he looks up at the painting and he says, oh, young man, if you could only see what I see, you're not losing, you can win. I think this is exactly what the devil wants to do to some of us to discourage us. He wants you to think you're boxed in. You'll never defeat that sin. Your marriage will never be that good. You'll never change. You're never gonna get to the other side. You're not gonna make it through this. Until we change our perspective and see it through the eyes of faith. We're people that we don't walk by sight we walk by faith. And sometimes we just need to refocus where we are, our attention is, who's got our eye and what we're looking at and allow God to lift up our head and to see where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Last thing, and then I'll wrap this up. There's some things that we can only find out about God between the passes. There's some things that you will only know God. And I don't, mean, I don't mean know about him. I don't mean come to church and hear a message about him. I don't mean reading about God in the Bible. I mean knowing God. That's one of our vision statements here at Hope Church is to know God. And it doesn't mean to just know about God. I think that's the problem with a lot of us is we know a lot about God, but we don't have a personal history of knowing God. 
like really knowing Him. And yet the way that we come to know God is the way we don't want to know God. It's, it's when we're down and out and we have nothing left that God can show Himself to us. In fact, I actually felt like there was a lot of us in the room when I, when I was putting this together that God said today, I want to remind some of you of who I am. I want to remind you, it isn't that you don't know God, it's you forgot who He was in your life. I was reminded of this story, one of my favorite stories in 1 Samuel 21, when David, King David, he's between the pain and the promise. He was anointed king, he's got this promise of being king, yet he went through all these years of pain. Read the Psalms, trying to get there. And at one low point, maybe the lowest point in his life, when he was between the passes, he's got his own brothers trying to kill him, Israel, army, Saul sent out to kill him. He's got his enemies, Philistines, trying to kill him. And he's got nothing, nothing. He's got no food, got no weapons to fight with. And he shows up to this little town called Nob. Thought it was interesting, it was called Nob. I think sometimes the greatest doors that God wants to lead us through are when we have nothing. We're down to nothing. And yet if we will turn the knob because he's knocking and he's saying, come on, I wanna come in and I wanna eat with you. I wanna give you some bread. I wanna give you some wine. I wanna, I wanna be with you. And, and David shows up at this priest's house in Nob. It's called Amalek. That's the name of the priest. And he says, do you have anything to eat? And he says, the only thing I have left is the bread of the presence. I thought, wow, sometimes we just need the bread of his presence. Give us this day our daily bread. Sometimes the very thing that feeds our spirit and fuels our faith is the bread of his presence, that I'm just in his presence. The other thing is he didn't have any weapons. He says, you got a spear or sword? And check this out, Amalek says, Behind the door, mm, behind the door is a sword and it's wrapped in ephod. And if you'll go get it, it's not like any other sword because it's the sword of Goliath. And in that moment, God, when David was almost at his word, he was at his end, he was actually drooling on purpose to seem like he was a madman. That's how low his life had gotten. And in that moment, God said, I'm gonna remind you of who I am. I'm gonna remind you that when you think you've got nothing left, I'm gonna put back in the sword of your enemy and remind you that no weapon formed against you will prosper. But I've got a sword. You remember when I was with you and you took down that giant? You gotta know. Because in that moment, David knew that God was, his, was fighting his battles for him. He was working for him. There's some things that you only know when you've got nothing left and you're willing to trust God when you've got nothing left that God shows up in power. Job says this, at the end of all his suffering, God talks to him and he says, where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? 
All these things. And you know what Job says? Job says, this is profound. You got to get it. He says, my ears had heard about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Now I know you. Now I know you're my Jehovah Jireh because I have nothing left, but I trusted you and you came through. But sometimes we need to be reminded. I always wondered how many times did Peter row out into the middle of the lake in the boat where he stepped out of the water just to remember that he could do it. How many times did Lazarus, after he was resurrected by Jesus, go back to the tomb and just sit down on it and remember when I thought I was dead, God made me alive. Some of you this morning, you just need to remember when you were dead, you were dead in your sin and your trespasses and God made you alive and God became real to you. I can imagine Moses in the middle of a desert going back to this ordinary bush and remembering a time where God showed up in the middle of nowhere, changed the destiny and the course of his life. I can imagine Joseph leaving his throne in Egypt and walking back down to the prison and just sitting there, remembering how in the middle of the prison, when he never knew if he was gonna get out, that God showed up and God became real to him strengthened him with his presence, sustained him. How many of you this morning, you just need to remember how God brought you through and who he is. Come on, I want you to just close your eyes right now. I want to ask some of you because I would be amiss if I didn't do this. We sang about resurrection this morning. The Apostle Paul talked about a glory in my sufferings. It's in that place of being weak that I find the resurrection power and life of God. And some of you here today, you, you've never known God the way that he knows you. The Bible says that he, he's known you in your mother's womb that he planned, he has a plan for your life. He has a plan to give you a future and a hope. And yet you don't know this God. And today's the day that if you'll just lay your life on the altar, God will touch you and do something amazing in your life if you're willing to surrender. It's how we come into relationship with Christ. If that's you and you wanna know what it means to know God, be forgiven and free of your sin, to become a Christian today, just slip your hand up. I'm not gonna ask you to come to the front. This is between you and God. Say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus today. This is your moment. This is your opportunity to go all in with Christ. For the rest of us, by the way, we're going to have our prayer team up here at the end of service. If that's you, our prayer team can lead you in a simple prayer. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you confess with your mouth that you shall be saved. For the rest of us, if you're here today and you're, you're in the middle of going through something, God is testing your faith. I want you to just raise your hand. Just slip your hand up all over the room. Now I want you to do this in a bold statement of faith. I want you to stand to your feet in faith. And I want you to lift your hands to heaven. I want to pray for you. And then we're going to worship God like we already have the breakthrough. 
Holy Spirit, I pray. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would move in power. God, I pray over every circumstance, every situation. I pray that you would meet them right there in the middle of where they are. God, I pray that your presence and your power would become more real than they've ever known. They would know you, really know you, because they're surrendered to you. Father, we surrender our hearts to you right now. Come on, just let that be your prayer. I surrender to you. And I invite you to come do what you want to do. You reign above it all.